This is KRFF 95.9 LPFM. This is the F5 Recovery Radio. Super happy to be here this fantastic Wednesday. I'm joined with my co-host, uh, Kirsten Huvenin. This is your host, One Pretty Ricky. Adam Martin is out in Bismarck today, so he's not joining he us. He's on a little road trip. Yeah, so it's kind of fun that we were in like our little group chat. We we're like, we're going to say all sorts of really bad things about him and he can't do anything about it so That's it's kind of great story. Yeah, yeah. I, know. And I, I didn't tell him the phone number to like call in so he can't <laughs> even call in which is pretty great <laughs> so yes which is awesome so i want to thank you all so much for being here um it's just truly been an honor i think it's been i think this is our, our first like i think it's two months about six six weeks give or take which is crazy i was looking up like we've been doing yeah. this show this has been really fun i mean i'm sure way more for me than for anybody listening you know our five followers or whatever but i um i've had a lot of fun it really gets you thinking about all the different aspects of recovery and um yeah it's just been cool to get to know you and and i've known adam and if you know adam you love him and if you really know him you're probably a felon (laughs) (laughs) or should be or whatever but so what was your plan for the day yeah, so today, uh, we for those who you know have never heard this show before, um, we try to pick a just different topic, and obviously it's in our title, you know, Recovery Radio. We always try to find different various topics about uh, recovery and about various things, so we're super... Uh, this one's going to be a little interesting one, kind of just switching up a little bit for just Kirsten and I, and Kirsten, excuse me, I'm going to get that right one day. Or maybe that's we should right. just give you like a DJ name, and then I won't forget that one. That's, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so today's topic, we wanted to talk about um, basically kind of the, the concept of managing cravings. And, and I think when I kind of mentioned that, that topic, you said kind of like staying in the middle of, of your recovery. I've never heard of any anything like that either. So we're going to dive into that one, too. So, yeah. Yeah. So like, I guess let's start with that. Like what is you said, you know, staying in the middle of your recovery. What does that look like? Um, well, I think like. When I think about being in the middle of your recovery, it's like I maybe I'm a visual learner, but I if you you if you imagine you're at a wedding reception, mm-hmm. which you can easily imagine because you're at many <laughs> wedding receptions. Nope. But um, like if it's for my dad's side of the family, there's a ridiculous amount of people there because they're <laughs> good Catholics and they made a lot of each other. And um, but. If you imagine your recovery as like a wedding reception and if I walk in and I just sit along the edge and I don't really get to know anybody or do the awkward dance or you know what I mean, do the chicken dance, all that stuff. If I don't participate, it's really easy for me to just like leave the room and Mm -hmm. like nobody will really even notice And then that's probably something I'll get sensitive about and it'll be another excuse for why, you know, nobody really got to know me, blah, blah, blah. Um, But if I'm seated in the middle of that reception, Mm -hmm. if I even have to go to the bathroom, I have to bump into 30 different people (laughs) that want to have small talk and get to know you and happy this and whatever. And it's just way more difficult to leave. Like once you make those connections with people... It's way harder to leave. And um, a lot of times when you uh, first come to recovery, it's uncomfortable. It's supposed to be. Like, it will be uncomfortable. Just Mm -hmm. accept that. Uh, You're going to want to run, you know, and it will. you have so many reasons why not to stay. 
And it's funny because you get, we get to this place where we're completely desperate and we want a different life so badly. But the first <laughs> uh-huh. thing we get back once we get sober a little bit is our opinion. And that kills right. me because I have a hundred reasons why I'm not going to stay here and why like, oh, they mentioned the word God. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, but I swear if my dealer was like, we're going to say a prayer before we do these drugs, I would be on my knees in a second. You know what I mean? It'd be like, yes, we are. We are going right. to say this. Um, but when it comes to recovery, all of a sudden the rules are different. And right. we have like, uh, I've heard many, many times like, I don't do well with crowds. I have social anxiety. I'm an introvert. You know, and those are those are great things to know about yourself. Like, know those things about yourself. <clears throat> I'm not saying that they're not legitimate. They absolutely are. But they're just something like, I know this about myself. Now I need to have coping skills to better deal with this when I am in a social situation. Because I don't want to die, you know. And I know that sounds super dramatic. But... That really is the ending for for people like us. We either, mm-hmm. uh, they say jails, institutions, or death. <clears throat> and um, in just in the last little while, too many people my age have are not living through this, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's really sad that, like, it was right there. You yeah. know what I mean? It was right yeah. there. Like, your happiness, it was right there. But we have a lot of different reasons for why we can't be in the middle of your recovery and i think it's just are you willing to be uncomfortable to Mm -hmm. get better yeah and i think i like that you use that analogy because i think especially early on not even early on like i mean i was probably maybe a year year and a half in i had just finished i had done like several different treatment programs but i was still kind of doing my i had graduated from my like my main um treatment program that i was kind of doing but I remember a lot of the situations when I had to get back out and go to weddings and go to events and, and do things because I, I was private because I was like, mm-hmm. I my life had already been public enough. I didn't want any more. I didn't, you know, the people who needed to know were going to know. And that was it. And so then when I was like trying to like get my life back, if you will, or like what life would look like in recovery. And I remember going to events and I would I would use all oh, those going to be tuned people. Oh, they might be connected to my former employer. They might, you know, there there was always a reason why I couldn't not even sit in the middle. Right. I, I would just wouldn't even go. Right. And so there was always kind of like that. That was my way of like making sure I couldn't go because I had to have like a good list of excuses yeah. for no one in particular because my wife didn't care. And right. my friends were like, OK, that's cool. Like, I don't want to go. OK. And I was just like playing all these things in my head of like all these scenarios. I got to like come up with these excuses of why I can't. And they were like, OK. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I guess I don't have to like make this as big of a deal as it was because I was afraid that somehow being in the middle, I was using it as this is going to trigger me. This will, will cause me sure. to like go back out and be like, yep, see, this is exactly why. And yeah. then to use them, use these people, use the, the 30 people that you bump into to be the reason for why I go back out. Yeah. And, yeah. and it was such a wrong way to think about it, but that's how I thought. And I was... I mean, I was certain. You yeah, know? it's it's a it's almost an illness that tells you you don't have it. Like, I over my career, I feel like I spend a lot of time convincing people to go get better. Like, right. you came to me desperate, and now I'm trying to almost trick you into going to a <laughs> meeting. You know, but you had a very public 
like ending to your mm-hmm. to your uh, addiction, and yeah. like I just didn't have that public of an ending. I wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, like <laughs> being topless on the Sinclair dinosaur is not an amazing en- ending to a drinking career. But um, <clears throat> so, what was the backlash from that? Like, yeah. did you get a whole bunch of like? what the heck, Ricky, you, yeah. you know what I mean? What are you doing? I didn't even know this about you. Yeah, a lot of that. And it was, I think it was, and it was weird because like a lot of people, you know, it was one of those things that I kept so private. Um, and we've talked about this before on the show, just like when I was drinking and, and using and doing other things like that physical change. Mm-hmm. But like with gambling, it's such a, min- it's a mental change mm-hmm. that, you know, it was really, really easy to hide, which is why it kind of really took me out, if you will. And so I think when people found out and when they they realized that this is what it was and, you know, I started to get a little bit more comfortable. And really, I think it really came when I had a conversation with Adam and just had to, like, be up front with somebody who's also in recovery to be able to say, hey, this is my thing and what I'm going through. Um, It was kind of this this understanding of like, okay, this is me being honest. This is me being transparent. And then almost for me, it was like reclaiming the power from my story reclaiming because I I felt like I lost so much I lost a lot of friends lost a lot of people and so then it's like okay I got to reclaim this back and the only way to do that and he really helped me understand that he's like is you just got to just own it and I was like well I have been owning it if the 750 hours community service all (laughs) the 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 money I had to pay back so I was like yeah no I've been owning I've been working three jobs to try like it's like what do you mean I have to own it yeah and and it was like no like you have to own your your story yeah. you have to own you know your, your addiction and what you were doing but you have to own your recovery you have to own all the things that you're doing not just the court ordered stuff yeah but the things that you're doing to keep your life in order you know the people that you're connected with and you know working here and volunteering all these other different things and it was like okay and at that point then it was like okay this it like helped me be more mindful or not mindful it helped me like rethink how i was thinking about those 30 people i'd bump into yeah because it was so much about them or in my mind it was so i was so concerned and worried about them but i really just needed to be concerned and worried about me and the people who were connected or still stayed connected with me and who still loved me and supported me and and when my friends were like yeah that's cool and my wife was like, yep, that's fine. But all the people like who just said, yeah, yeah, that's fine. They didn't have to, I didn't have to explain anything or do anything. I knew that those were the folks that I needed to like stay yeah. connected to. And when you say that you had like friends, a lot of people left your side. What was, was that because you took their money or was that because <laughs> they just were worried for you and they couldn't yeah. be around it anymore? Why do you think that? Some people were because they thought I took their money. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, yeah, I, did I, I save, save, right? Yeah, yep. <laughs> um, but others were just, you know, either sided with, you know, the former company or just, you know, just were just so appalled of, about my decisions and that I could do that. And like this guy, you know, uh, you know, all sorts of things were like thrown back in my face. Like, oh, you're supposed to be a Christian. Oh, you're supposed to, um, you know, you're supposed to be this really nice guy. And you're always hugging people and doing all these things. Yeah. Like, all, like all of my somehow all my personality traits became toxic. Like all right. the things that, that truly were genuine about me. Like, yes, I, ha- I had a problem, but me loving the way I love me, like caring mm-hmm. for people and doing a lot of the different things, even in my addiction, shouldn't be things that were like harmful. Right. But they made it harmful. They made it like to be like knives and try to stab me with it. And then I was like, okay, that's fine. Go for it. If that's going to help you feel better you to justify or whatever it is that you need to do yeah that's fine like i didn't realize you had this imaginary bar for me to attain yep and you know it it does start to feel like the 
unconditional love mm-hmm. suddenly becomes very conditional. Right. <clears throat> or, yeah, it's hard to be, to have all of this shame coming into mm-hmm. recovery yep. and know that it's put back in your face as right. like, and that's why I think, you know, often I've been, this is probably way off topic, but <clears throat> often I've been asked to do interventions for people. I I will not do it. Ooh. I will not do an intervention. Okay. I think that show wrecked a lot of like ideas on how recovery should work. I don't think that sitting in a room with people that love you unconditionally, mm-hmm. that suddenly put conditions on their love for you has anything to do with the addict. I think that that... Uh, by saying, like, if you continue to be sick, mm-hmm. you are not welcome in our home anymore. Right. Like, that is so counterproductive. It, I will absolutely sit with the person who needs the help, and I will sit with the family, but I'm not going to sit in, like, this shame environment mm-hmm. and b- berate someone into being better. Because it's not like they don't already know. Right. You know what? They already know all of these things. They mm-hmm. know they're a disappointment. They know they're breaking your heart. They yep. know all of these things. And like you said, like, they're still a good person. Mm-hmm. They really are. In every other facet, I'm sure that they're giving um, and kind and they feel deeply, you know, right. and it's just like this illness turns you into somebody you're not. It makes it really hard for me to show the world that like, I am a nice person. Mm-hmm. It's just really hard to explain from county <laughs> right. jail that like I'm a, <laughs> right. I'm good person. Um <clears throat> but to sit and and you know throw that back at them like mm-hmm. they already know. Right. They know they're in trouble. They know all of these things. It's it's more about the the family and the people with the concerns being emotionally unhealthy, you mm-hmm. know, and saying that like It'd be like if I told my kids, um, uh, you make me so mad. You know what I mean? Like, mm. you make me so mad. Whatever. That's just telling them that, A, I don't control my emotions. Right. You do. And you're never going to be able to control your emotions. Mm-hmm. You will always be a victim of circumstance. Right. Poor you. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And <clears throat> actually, today when I was thinking about, we were initially going to do anger management, and then we realized that, uh, Adam's probably the angriest, so we'll wait for <laughs> <Yeah>. him. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But um, but it was just like this, uh, a lot of anger, especially for women, comes out with like, it, it's going to come out. Mm-hmm. So it's either going to come out in an explosive way or typically what <laughs> I see or what I'm the best at is leaking it out in little knives and cutting remarks and pouting and um like just pu- i want to punish somebody slowly you know what i mean <laughs> okay. i don't really want to like i'm not going to blow up cuz that appears immature <laughs> yep. but i am going to give you the silent treatment <laughs> and then my husband will say what's wrong and i'll say nothing, nothing. Yep. and then i'll do that till about right before he falls asleep and then i'm like matt okay remember <laughs> actually you hurt my feelings you know what i mean but uh, it's just like that lack of uh, emotional, like handling your own emotions is such a big part of helping other people. Right. Because it has nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing is real personal. Right. But <clears throat> so now your family, how do they feel about your you being in recovery? Yeah. I think now it's funny my mom like... My mom and my sister, especially, they they don't really, 
every once in a while they'll, they'll kind of bring it up they'll talk about it but they don't you know really mm-hmm. try to like bring up the things um my mom like the other day so they were in town uh visiting um because my son was getting baptized and um or dedicated i don't know whatever the proper term is um and so they were in town so my mom was like hey so how how are things like and i hadn't talked you know i talked to my mom often but i hadn't talked to her about like me like that and some time and so she was like how are things and i was like actually really really good you know it's like things have been you know kind of up in the air since you know obviously having the baby and still trying to figure out my own kind of journey but it was a really cool like update because because we hadn't like talked for a couple of months about it it was cool to be able to say hey mom this is where i'm at now compared to where i was and like a couple of months ago i was not doing really really good and so she was trying to help and it just you know just wasn't helping because she's trying to she's was really good i love my mom and i love that she like tries out but sometimes like the help she can offer isn't i don't need her to help i don't need her to fix it it's like i just wanted to like tell you this like this is something i would technically talk to my sponsor about or this is what i'd be talking about in my rooms but i want you to know because i want you to know this side of me too and like not always just the life things the finances or you know just yeah you know mom son things and so she was trying to help like, mom, like no no my mom like that's not that's not this and so at that point i just wasn't really good so then be able to tell her now like mom like i'm doing really good i'm going to a lot more meetings i've started this and i told about the show and i'm like you know so i'm doing a lot more to like support my recovery yeah. in that and so it was just a really cool being able to like when you don't talk about it often with people you care about and who are very much invested in your recovery yeah. but to be able to share like positive things and the negative things, you know, I think it just really adds like a, another layer mm-hmm. of of um, of connection in, yeah. in a way that I never you know, thought that we could have. And, yeah. and she was like really supportive and again, trying to help more. I was like, no, mom, again, I don't like like you've you've done so much to get me to this point. Yeah. And so like the help that I needed then to like not take my life and to find you know the clubhouse and like all the th- all the steps that like when I first first started was all credit to her. Yeah. But now it's like okay, Ma, like you just put the cart in motion. I needed to do the rest of the pushing. Right. Yeah. I need to like continue to work my way down the tracks and figure out how to do this now because yeah, um, she doesn't have a recovery journey. Doesn't, doesn't right. you know? Obviously, has some effect um, family and other people in her life that do, but yeah. it's it's still different when you're trying to like connect with somebody who doesn't necessarily know exactly what you're going through may not necessarily be the same drug but they know exactly yeah. kind of it's the same it's the same though yeah. in your head mm-hmm. so um what was happening a few months ago can you share yeah. about that or yeah i absolutely. just figured if you brought it up i'm gonna dig yeah <laughs> for sure um i so a few months ago um this was kind of like the uh i think just the stress of of Jelsa's like so the first trimester was rough yeah. Again, I'm yeah. saying this from a male's perspective. Oh, I get having it. <laughs> very little to do with anything, but just my perception. First trimester was rough. Second trimester was like, okay, cool, back to normal, normal, quote unquote. You know, trying to do the things. And the third trimester is like, oh shoot, this like this is real. Like it was already <laughs> yeah, real, for real. But like she had her first, uh, like like her stomach got tight. Like the yep. first, like Braxton Hicks, and so like all these things are like just this heaviness of like oh my god the baby's coming like it's not and but it did and like yeah. it just i just started nesting and i just like all the things like i just got so 
Like the world is on my shoulders. Yeah. I have to do this. I can't share this with anyone. Right. And so when I was going to my meetings and you know, I was just having just terrible meetings with my sponsor because I wasn't really like, you know, you kind of yeah. just dance around the things yeah. without really tackling it. And so I'm just carrying this burden of like, this baby is going to come. I'm about to be a dad. What the heck am I about? Like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, what am I supposed to do between now and whenever they decide to come? Yeah. Like not feeling good at all. And <laughs> what I normally do in those situations is talk to my sponsor or yeah. I, like take it to a meeting and, you know, trying to do the things. So I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to figure this out on my own somehow. Like, in my mind that made a ton of sense yeah it was like yep i'm gonna figure this out on my own i got this i've gotten this far you know yeah. like i can do this so i stopped going to meetings stopped talking to my sponsor because i was just like ah you know i'm just really not getting anything yeah because i'm not giving anything it all. Yep. yep you know yep. so it's like okay you know i really want to like and then and then which was really really bad and i had to make him some amends is that i was like okay i'm just really gonna focus on my family now i'm really yeah. gonna just be more present stay at home kind of just be more helpful which again i legit was but well i think we talked either last week or the week before of just like putting your recovery first i, I wasn't doing that yeah. i was just using my family as yeah. my crutch and so then i was just in this such a just miserable point so my mom just happened to call out of the blue like hey just checking on you so then i just unload like all these things <laughs> and then she's like you sure you're okay? I'm like, no, I promise I am. Uh, I just need to like, this is the first time I'm actually saying a lot of things out loud yeah. of how I'm feeling. And I think she freaked out. I don't know if she did or not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, hard, yeah. Hard I'm sure. Yep. But like, you know, she's like, all right, well, my, my addict son is like saying a whole lot of things that aren't really good. Like, <laughs> all right, let's just pray. So, which is, I mean, I love my mom. And yeah. Bless her. Like that's always, you know, the response. And, yeah. and it was helpful. So we prayed. Got a little piece of, some semblance and talk to Jess about it and she was like you know you should really like I'm okay yeah and I think once I like said what I needed and just hearing that she was okay I was like okay yeah and then it was like, oh right yeah she's an adult she can figure this out like she's a wonderful superhuman who yeah. can figure out her life and if she needs something she's she will tell me you yeah know, it's that's not nice like a, <laughs> that's you know nice. it's not a, I don't have to guess so I was like okay and then I went back to meetings again. I was like, hey, guys, remember me? Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. And and then. Was that humbling? Yeah. Oh, it absolutely yeah. was. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did the same thing. And I, I don't know how I'd been sober, maybe 15 years or something. And mm. uh, my best friend that I'd had forever, uh, she decided to not come to meetings anymore. And that's fine. I absolutely still love her. Um, <clears throat> but we had small kids. And. On a side note, the first trimester, every time I was pregnant, the first trimester, I wanted a divorce. It was just like, <laughs> oh, I don't no. know why. I don't know everything he did. He breathed and I'd hate him. I mean, oh, it was no. just like, and then it was like a light switch. The second, the first trimester was over, it was like, oh my gosh, that was really weird. Sorry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whoopsie. And But there's something about having, sharing blood with a boy in your body or something. And yeah. um, I... Matt would go go out of town for work, and I'd take a wall out, and uh, he'd come back and just be like, what the heck, you know? <laughs> like, well, I just wanted more light in here. Um, I watched MMA every night before I went to sleep. <laughs> I hate fighting, but yeah. I, it was just like I just needed to watch some guys get bloodied up, and then I would shut it off and go to sleep, and Matt would be all amped up like, ah, you yeah. know? Um, <laughs> but anyway, I, I think after you have 
kids, it's like there's a lot of fear involved, but mm-hmm. your identity is different now. Like now I'm a mom and um, I know I'm not the woman you married because mm-hmm. everything physically is different. I this kid needs me. Anyway, I just was like I was busy with a career and um as a mom, you kind of give up some of that stuff. Like, sure. it's hard not to be resentful. It's like, I gave up my career and blah, blah, blah. But um, all of that stuff is put on pause. It's mm-hmm. never gone. But I think that <clears throat> just like you, I thought, I got this. I got mm-hmm. this. And what the frightening part is that the more I think about my problems, the worse they get yep. and the more sensitive I get. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I take everything personal all of a sudden yep. and I make assumptions and I just make my life really dark. And AA, like recovery, it, that's the first thing to go because it's, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Yep. Like I don't, I've been around a long time. I know what I'm supposed yeah. to do. I get it. Yeah. And I think to hit that emotional bottom so to speak whatever that is even is like way more humbling than it was to like bottom out the first time almost Mm -hmm. even because that time there was wreckage there's like look um i got all of this stuff there's obviously a reason why i have to get into recovery and now uh it's this is of my own making and i knew better and i didn't do better and to go back was super humbling you know right and um, when you were talking about your mom asking you how you're doing, it made me wonder, like, why is it difficult to ask people in recovery how they're doing? Like, mm-hmm. as as a loved one, nobody wants to say, hey, how's it going with, like, not slamming dope and stuff, you know? <laughs> right. Like, you know, because they think if I ask, they're going to go, go yep. off the rails and mm-hmm. whatever. But yep. anyway, there's a lot of emotional things that are involved in recovery and just like we started with staying in the middle mm-hmm. is such such a big deal but right. well i want to shout out to what up Corey? good to see you my uncle john love you man and looks like adam's tuning in appreciate you guys um well i should we should take a pause and kind of shout out to some special underwriters oh look at that flatland <laughs> guitar underwrited this our programming on krff lpfm Radio Free Fargo. Uh, so we're going to shout out Flatland Guitar and Luthery. Flatland Guitar is your full-service guitar shop and your exclusive dealer for Yamaha, Taylor, Paul Reed, Smith Guitars, and other brands. They sell guitars on consignment. They take trade-ins and have full-service on-site repair. Check out Flatland Guitar and Luthery on Facebook, or you can visit them in person at 1450 25th Street South in Fargo. Hours are Monday through Friday, 10 to 6. Saturdays, 10 to 5. And for Adam... Closed on Sundays. Aww. I know. He's not here. I hope you hear that, Adam. They're closed on Sundays. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love you, Amanda. Yeah. So it's super awesome. But so, so back to your question of like asking people, you know, like, hey, how's it going? Um, I think one of the things that I really had to kind of come to terms with is one, just just my sponsor was great. It was like, hey, like if if for whatever reason that question like triggers somebody or mm-hmm. like pushes them out that's not your fault no you know you're not responsible for their their response to your question but i think the other thing um i think i've like really had to like kind of understand and and why i'm still even with you know participants and clients and other people and recovery and just you know in the rooms um sometimes i'm nervous of asking because i'm afraid of what i'll have to do with that answer 
Oh, so yeah. if they oh, say, hey, I'm doing great. Cool. I'm like, whew, big sigh of relief. Like, oh, right. Great. I don't have, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. just that, that kind of response. And then if they are like, you know, I'm glad you asked. And then as soon as they say that, <laughs> then I was like, oh, okay. Well, let me, where's, where's my chair? <laughs> let me, you know, get, uh, you know, hold that thought. Let me grab a cup of coffee. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. So I think, you know, sometimes I think that's for at least for me, yeah. like my apprehension of like asking like, hey, Kirsten, how's things going? Yeah. Is I don't know what your response, <laughs> what your response <laughs> is going to be. And then do I do something with it? Do I, you know, make yeah. a suggestion? Hey, have you talked to, you know, like, do I give you a can? Hey, have you talked to your sponsor? You know, right. or is it like, a, all right, let's dive into this. Let's really get into it. Yeah. figure this out yeah I don't know, so it is and i think a lot of times for men like especially for my husband he wants to fix it i don't know what's going on but he wants to fix it <laughs> and my girlfriends are like the you know the rider dies like he made you mad let's go burn his stuff and, <laughs> and you know what i mean but then the next day when i'm not mad they're like yeah he's cool we like him and uh the sponsor's like the well Maybe we could look at your behavior. A lot of times I'm not ready to do that. But I I also, I love the the drama of things. I love when people are. I think and if I hear that somebody's fine more than twice, mm-hmm. then it's not fine. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. something happening. Because this is such a messy journey mm-hmm. that there is no way that everything is fine, you right. know? And sometimes they say fine they just don't want to share with me and that's totally cool Mm -hmm. but a lot of times it's too humbling to admit that like I am the problem you know which is actually the best news because that means I'm not the victim of somebody else's (laughs) behavior which I was really good at like oh well if they hadn't have done this I wouldn't have blah 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 but I'm the problem so then I can fix it but I like when when I say, "Are you how, how are you doing?" Mm-hmm. They're like, "Well, it's crap." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This is happening and this is happening because it's supposed to be a mess. It's right. supposed to be an emotional upheaval. If it was super easy, everybody would do it. Everybody <laughs> that went to detox would mm-hmm. come out a winner. You know? Yep. But <clears throat> so it always makes me nervous when when someone is like, "Oh, everything is fine." And I thought that's how you were just supposed to be in life. Just mm-hmm. act like everything's fine. Don't bother people. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and for, you know, for acquaintances, that is probably polite. Sure. You know, if yep. you don't want to be at the bank and the teller says, <laughs> how are you doing? You're like, well, actually, my husband, you know what I mean? <clears throat> you just want to say fine and move on. Right. But you have trusted people in your life, hopefully. And um, my husband is, he does give me good advice sometimes which we don't need to mention to him. But anyway, one morning I was just irritated. I was irritated like with, I don't know, life. Everything made me mad. I was on my way to work and I, and um, uh, everything was bugging me. And my husband, and I was stomping around like the mature adult I am, you know, pouting and stomping around and just waiting for somebody to be like, oh, poor you, you have it so hard. But um, I don't. And... <laughs> My husband was in the shower and he was getting out and he had his little towel on and he comes to the door and Mm -hmm. he's like, as I was leaving, I was just going to slam the door shut. (laughs) He goes, hey, I was like, what? Crabby's a choice. I was like, so is homicide. And I slammed the door shut. And but then when I got to the car, 
<laughs> I, w- I sat there for a minute. I thought, oh, my gosh, he's absolutely right. <laughs> like, I can pick to do this day with gratitude or I can pick to start this day in, like, the poor me. I have it so hard. I have to go to work, like, actually 40 hours a week, which I should get a reward for every <laughs> week. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, just, like, I don't know. It was just one of those moments where you think that – was absolutely eye-opening, you know? So, but like you said, without going through that stuff myself, you know, Mm -hmm. having somebody fix it for me, I don't need that. I, uh, just like with my kids, I wish them enough uncomfortability to Mm -hmm. be humble. And it's so hard to watch your kids struggle through anything. You want to fix it. If, um, you know, my youngest son, Charlie, he's obviously the tallest in his class and <laughs> and he has dyslexia. And so one day this broke my heart. He came home and he's like, I don't want to be the biggest and the dumbest. And I thought, oh, no. who called you dumb? Yeah. I'm going to murder a 10 year old. Yeah. You know what I mean? But they um, but my job is not that my job right. is to be the person he can come tell that to mm-hmm. and help him navigate all these big emotions and it's been it's been really cool for whatever reason I don't know how Matt and I mixing our DNA made good kids but (laughs) they're good kids and they um they talk to us about what's going on they talk to us about like their friends using marijuana or all these things that I wouldn't have told my mother that ever because it would have been like Uh well you're never leaving the house again (laughs) right (laughs) or like every time i'd come home and be like did you do the marijuana you know (laughs) (laughs) i did try and talk my mom into into smoking marijuana with me because i was just like mom it will chill you out you will really like it like it will be so fun we'll be bonded and she didn't just (laughs) for the record she never did because it's against the rules (laughs) Uh, anyway, oh, that's awesome. but the typically the solutions I pick for my life create more problems. Mm-hmm. And so that having that, um, when I got so sad in my recovery, uh, I've never been suicidal in my life. And, mm. and like 15 years into my recovery, I was actually, it wasn't, it was kind of like a piece, like I'm going to just do my family a favor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Then Matt can get a wife that's more fun and my kids can have a mom that doesn't uh, nitpick about stuff mm-hmm. and it'll just be easier for everybody. And that scared the crap out of me. Yep. <clears throat> and also my husband suggested that either I go back to meetings or he's going to commit me. So I thought, well, that would be humiliating. So I'll go back to meetings. And that was so humbling. It was yeah. like being new again and just being raw and, I had to take my own advice and be uncomfortable mm-hmm. in my own skin. And um, the more transparent I am, the better I get. Yeah. The closer friends I have, the more opportunities open. And who'd have ever thought that, like, if I'm actually honest about the person I was or the things I think, mm-hmm. I will have more opportunities in life. Right. You know, yep. typically it's like, we're going to seclude you to a padded room and you can <laughs> right. just eat through mm-hmm. this door, you know. <laughs> yeah. But... Anyway, and it's a big, and it's okay to ask people how they're doing in recovery. Like you said, someone's reaction is not, well, it's none of your business, actually. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, you can ask, and they can answer with whatever. Right. And uh, typically, if it's not like a, 
I'm fine or whatever, then there's something going on there that is not your responsibility to fix. It's just to be there. And I'm sure when your wife is upset, you want to fix something immediately mm-hmm. so that the so that the complaining and pouting stops. That's right. what Matt wants. Yeah. But I'm not going to let him off the hook that easy. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. And if you're just tuning in, this is F5 Recovery Radio here on KRFF 95.9 LPFM uh, here in Fargo-Moorhead. Uh, today's topic is managing cravings. This is your host, One Pretty Ricky, and I'm joining my co-host, Kirsten Hoovenen. And Adam Martin is out today. He's online on Facebook, but he's out in uh, Bismarck doing some amazing things, talking about legislation and other things. So I want to wish him the best as well as he's out there. And so I want to kind of circle back uh, a little bit, Kirsten. You had mentioned and talking about like, like managing kind of your emotions and kind of just managing your, you know, those traumas of things is, you know, kind of one of the big pieces, you know, of being able to like kind of manage those cravings. Do you see like managing cravings as the same thing as managing emotions? Because you can obviously like, is there such thing as like, obviously there's positive emotions, but are there positive cravings? Is there positive things that like that you can put forth? You think? Well, I yeah, I think I think I can make up an answer. No, I, <laughs> I um, I think that cravings are a part of that's a part of this deal, you okay. know. And there's a difference between like, like physical withdrawal where may, maybe you should be medically detoxing, mm-hmm. or um, see a doctor about uh, getting on, you know, having a medication to help with the okay. physical think of that. Yep. addiction part, but. Yep. The rest of it is just all based on action. This isn't an illness like you can think your way out of. You just right. you're never going to know enough about it. You're never going to be, you know, smart enough to figure out your addiction or mm-hmm. whatever. It just it's it, it it's my belief anyway. It's this is an illness that tells you you don't have it. Right. The like the one of the biggest symptoms of this illness is social anxiety and that like mm-hmm uncomfortability that is you're supposed to feel all these things you if you quit and didn't have cravings i would think you probably in the wrong room you know yeah. what i mean there's because they say there's a difference between just a heavy drinker and and someone with alcoholism or addiction or whatever oh. and those are the ones with like like if you had reason enough if somebody said hey your liver's done yeah. you know if there's a big enough reason they can just quit okay and pretty much be content with with life but i so they would be the heavy drinker right yeah okay and then the uh the person with the addiction or or alcoholism like this illness has very very little to do with the gambling with the drugs with the alcohol that is my medicine that Mm. gave me like a oh this will be okay you know that was the relief (laughs) that i was seeking Mm -hmm. and so now you're newly sober it's just like you're emotionally <laughs> naked in the breeze. Right. Go get to know new people. Be happy. You know what I mean? That just doesn't happen. I think right. there's a solution that if I get sober, everything gets better. And that's just not reality. Yep. It's going to be difficult. And there's there's times well into your recovery where I'm sure you'll you'll watch people drink or gamble and with ease they just Mm -hmm. seem to be able to do it and nothing bad happens and so i start to trick myself if i'm not in the middle of that reception if i'm Mm -hmm. not in the middle of recovery i start to get the idea that i'm probably like them i mean i probably overreacted with Mm -hmm. this whole getting sober thing it was just a bad run you know what i mean and um 
and in actual, in actuality, that's just I'm tricking myself, and that's in itself a craving, and that can happen. That could probably happen yesterday. You know right. what I mean? Like yep. I am literally one bad day from the other side of this desk, right. truthfully. And just to stay with that attitude that like this requires consistent care, uh, like any long term illness, mm-hmm. whether it be diabetes or whatever, there is daily care that I have to take to um, just have to deal with this, to have it, to manage. Right. There, and typically what the answer, the going to meetings, the connections mm-hmm. ends up being the highlight of my life. Right. I absolutely love it. And when I first got here, I knew that this was the lamest thing I was going to do <laughs> in my life because I was pretty, uh, I mean, I thought of myself as pretty gangster, but mm-hmm. Uh, turns out I wasn't in Jamestown, <laughs> North Dakota. But anyway, I wanted to be the next biggie or something. But anyway, yeah. um, so just like you said, managing cravings is is about being transparent mm-hmm. and just because people want to help. Mm-hmm. When they say, I'm going to give you my number, you call. They really mean that. It's right. not weird to get a call from a total stranger that's like, I'm having a rough day. Mm-hmm. That's not a weird thing when you're in the recovery program, you know, right. and I th- I just think with anything in life, the more transparent you are, the more relatable you are. Mm-hmm. I think the people that I've seen in life that are like, I have it all together and my house is always clean and my kids are always wearing clean clothes and I do things perfectly. They scare me. I have no yeah. idea how to do that. I can barely keep a schedule together, you know, <laughs> uh-huh. and but when people are honest and just like, I'm a train wreck that's just trying the best it can today. Mm -hmm. I dig them. I dig them. They're just real. But um, cravings can come up anytime. And another thing that I've heard over the years is, well, I'll I'll just get some numbers, and then when I want to drink or do something dumb, I'll just call somebody. (laughs) You will not do that. They're a stranger. You will not do that when you need to. You need to create that relationship. Call Mm -hmm. them when things are good. Right. And then you might call them when things are bad. bad. Yes. And even if even if you like give in to cravings, mm-hmm. you haven't failed. You're still in recovery. You're still right. working towards the goal of having a good life. Mm-hmm. And don't beat yourself up. It's not I think there was an old school idea that like if you relapse, everything starts over right. and you're back to the dumps, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? But that's not true. Every day that you battle this is a day in recovery that you are learning more about yourself. Mm-hmm. And I only learn through failure for some reason. Yeah. I've never been like, oh, somebody suggested I should do this. That'd be a great idea. That's never crossed my <laughs> mind. I, uh, I'm like, no, I'm going to go burn it down myself, and then right. we'll figure it out from there. Yeah. But So what are the things triggering for gambling? I, yeah. I really don't know a whole lot about that, mm-hmm. and um, it pains me to lose 20 bucks even. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the one of my big like probably the most recent uh like biggest cra- potential crave well it was a craving I was around the Super Bowl. And so when I was really really active um uh, like March Madness, Super Bowl, like uh, Kentucky Derby, there was like events mm-hmm. where like okay, like I would gamble like pretty I mean not pretty consistently. I was definitely consistently gambling every day, yeah. but there were events or there was uh like seasons or whatever where it was like okay this is when i went really really heavy because of this one time event whatever this 
thing is. And so especially like this year, um, I mean, I'm a big Kansas City Chiefs fan. So the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. And I something I started, I think I think it was three years ago. Um, before I used to like, I would want to be out. I want to be with people. And so then, because it's either when my teams or my parlay or whatever I'm betting on is doing well, there's a bunch of people around to like celebrate and be like, all right, like this is going to be great. Then when they're not doing good, then I have people to be mad at. Like, yeah. you know, I'm angry at other fans or just other like little things. Angry and at the fans? Like other people who are cheering on the other team that I bet against. Oh, So if I'm betting oh. against this other team, I don't want them to do good because then that's going to affect my money. Right. So okay. So you kind of take it personal if somebody, somebody likes else. a different team. Yeah. yeah. At you. Right. Yeah. Like okay. somehow, like, like, you know what you're doing? You're like, you're cheering on, like, this is going to affect my pockets. And they're like, okay, yeah, whatever. And so I think three years ago, um, I kind of just, I was like, all right, I'm not going to go like any, any like big sporting events, whatever it is. I, I still liked, I, I didn't watch them for a long time for about, for about two years. My sponsor was like, nope, don't do it. I'm like, okay. And so then I was like, okay, well, can I? He was like, yeah. You know, if you feel like if you really feel inclined, you feel like you can yeah. handle that, you know, okay, try yeah. it. And then call me like, like call me on the hour. So I'm like, okay. So I remember I watched um, the like World Series. I was like every hour I would just call just to like just to check in and say, hey, yeah, I'm doing okay. Yeah. That's really what it was. It was like a 45 second conversation. I would call and he was like, hey, how are you doing? I'm like, yep, I'm doing okay. And then he would And you really up. were doing okay? Like yeah. it did make it manageable? Yeah. yeah. And okay. then there was some that was a rough, rough inning or rough period, whatever it was. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing okay. He's like, you want to talk? I'm like, no. He's like, okay. And so like, yeah. he just kind of just really kept it like that. But it was good because it helped like temper out like how I was doing, like riding that wave of, of things yeah. and having like someone I can just call and trust and like know that if I said, no, I'm not okay and I want to talk, he would just drop whatever he was doing and talk. And so, um, so this, like, so kind of circling back again to this past like Super Bowl, just at my buddy Ryan's house. That's, you know, kind of just been my safe, yeah. like, uh, safe space for, you know, sports game, you know, sports games <laughs> to be able to watch sports and do yeah. different things. And so my wife was there, some of my other friends, and we kind of just had like a little, just a small Super Bowl party and obviously the highs and lows of, of football. But that night we had a, uh, a women's jail meeting or Cass County jail. We do a once a month mm-hmm. women's meeting. And so we had a meeting that night. And like that morning, I was like, everything in me was like, okay, what can I say to Adam to just get out of this? Or <laughs> like, can you do it? You know, e- like even before the game started, just like trying to, and I was like, no. And I kept like, I had to say no to myself yeah. a lot that day because I was just, I don't know. It just, it felt icky because like, yeah. I didn't really want to do the meeting, but I didn't really have a, I didn't have a reason why I didn't want to do the meeting. Right. And I, I did want to watch the game because it's the Super Bowl, but it's like, no, I don't. Like there's nothing really this just justifying right. me not doing what I know I'm supposed to be doing for these women, but for me being able to come in and be really, really humbled and see some people who were in some situations that I was in, you know, yeah. to really kind of be able to kind of have that um, clarity. And so then I was like, no. And so then Adam texts me at like seven, the meetings at eight. So he texts me at seven. He's like, Hey, like you still going? I'm like, yep. Like I already planned on it. Got all my paperwork. I needed, I bought cookies. We always bring cookies. Yeah. So I bought the cookies and me and Brendan are going and I got a few other people going. He was like, okay. He's like, and I told him, I was like, you know what? Like I was going to text you earlier today yeah. and cancel or just not go. And I was like, no, I need to, I need to go. Like, this is something. And like, so like halftime, I missed all of that, but it was like, it was one of the best and the five, yeah, the five years I've been in recovery, that was one of the best decisions 
that I will always remember yeah. not just staying and watching my team and cheering and, and yeah. not doing the, the triggering. It was like, okay, that was one of the best decisions I could have made for myself. Not even just, I mean, from the stories we shared, like it, that, like the meeting itself was great, but it was, I felt so good about myself yeah. that I didn't do what my first, I don't even know if my gambling mind or if it's just my like really selfish mind, yeah. whatever my first mind was to be like, you know, just it's a quick, real quick text to just get out of something I don't want to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that I, I just didn't do that. And I went and did this meeting and it was just amazing. And then my team won. So I was like, oh, look at God. <laughs> it's just blessing me because I oh did the gosh, right thing. Yeah. You know, just somehow taking oh, all this I credit. It, God, yeah. it was just. And then I called my sponsor and I was like, just super happy. And it was like, hey, you know, how you feel? I'm like, oh, I'm doing great. My team won. Like I went to this meeting and and then he humbled me real fast. So it was good. <laughs> it was a really good like. You know, I'm trying to take like did the right thing. Things are good happening, and I'm trying to take credit. And he was like, "Okay, you know. so we're gonna not do that." Right. And so we brought me back down, and I was like, "Okay." But so. that is a great example of being in the middle of yeah. your recovery, mm-hmm. and there's not um, whatever misconception I have about it. It's just interesting to see how like you emotionally wanted to feel better via this football game, which yep. I don't even know who played, you know what I mean? <laughs> but um, it, how it was like, and truthfully, every Tuesday morning, my home group's on Tuesday nights, I yep. wake up and I say, I'm not going. <laughs> and then my mom yesterday said, isn't that what you say on that show? And I'm like, ah, I don't need this. Uh, <laughs> oh, but I went great. and I, you know, I, I went and I picked up other people and I just think being of service mm-hmm. is so gratifying. But there's never been a, like that's why those connections are so important. Mm-hmm. Had you not had a connection with Adam or or was it Brendan that you went with? Mm-hmm. Then had you not been like knew them and emotionally connected with right. them, it's you would not have felt the guilt, which is a good thing to have in right. recovery, yep. um, to go to that meeting. Mm-hmm. Which is that's why like they say, um, live your way to better thinking, like. Mm-hmm. It works if you work it, not it works if you think about it. Because <laughs> when I think about it, I'm out. You right. know what I mean? This yep. is extra. I don't need it. I mm-hmm. like being at home. Um, I got to help my kids with homework, which I'm not doing well in sixth grade math. So, <laughs> um, But I've never thought like, oh, man, what was that worksheet I did in treatment? You know what I mean? That's <laughs> right. never crossed my mind. Yeah. But those connections I make in those meetings do give me the motivation to get there begrudgingly or whatever. But if I can get there, I leave happier mm-hmm. every time. And, yep. it, you know, yeah, just like you said, there's enough. If I can experience enough heartache to be humble, mm-hmm. then I can go back. Or mm-hmm. I I need to make a commitment. That's why they say get a job in your home group. Because mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I think like, well, I'd skip it, but who's going to put the coffee cups out? You know right. what I mean? Like, because yep. I'm that big of a deal. Yep. <laughs> and, and I do want special attention for doing normal things. I want like a, a reward for like, oh, look at you. You went to work all week or you, right. you know what I mean? Anyway. Good pat on the back. We did a pat on the back Monday. So I was like, yeah, this is pat on the back. <laughs> you showed up today. Pat on the back. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a pretty big deal. I can even watch you tell somebody else that. And I'd still yeah. be like, yeah, I'm pretty big deal. <laughs> <laughs> so with our like six or seven minutes, uh, the kind of final question and thing that I wanted just to tackle before we get out of here. So um, we always try to just leave, just giving you something. If, if whatever we've shared, um, hopefully, you know, take 
take what you need and leave the rest, if you will. Uh, but just a, kind of a final thing for those who, uh, Kirsten, if you could, and I'll kind of share, what's some things that we can just share for those who are maybe listening or tuning in after the fact who are really struggling? Maybe they're having a, a day or a week or a month or a year yeah. where they're just not managing cravings and not doing well in that. What are some suggestions to kind of help them maybe yeah. get there? just you're not alone i think like Mm. i could i could rattle off advice for days but you've heard it all you already know all of the things you've heard all the suggestions you've Mm -hmm. been shamed enough all of that stuff but just know that like if you get you don't have to be sober to go to 12-step meetings Mm -hmm. you don't have to not be gambling to go to ga if you go there i went to a lot of meetings and i was not sober Mm -hmm. but i couldn't leave my house sober anymore so it was it felt like not an option but i went there i just showed up just show up Mm -hmm. and trust that the rest of things will work out Mm -hmm. if recovery is first like it you will figure out all of the garbage from your past you'll figure out all the current garbage you're sitting in all of that will get worked out but you got to show up or it will never start and don't put any rules on yourself or don't say like oh they're you know a cult or whatever or whatever you, whatever your reason uh want to live enough to be uncomfortable yep. be willing to be uncomfortable and things will absolutely get better let mm-hmm. people get to know you mm-hmm. don't come at eight leave at nine you know yep. that that's that's a good start. Mm-hmm. Do that however long you want to do that. But eventually, talk to people. Yep. But don't put any rules on it. You don't have to be sober to get there. You don't have to have your life together to get there. Because mm-hmm. nobody does. <laughs> right. And don't think like, well, if I go to meetings, they're going to know that I'm an addict or alcoholic. Oh, they know. Don't worry. <laughs> yes. you're, you're, you know what I mean? Don't let your ego keep you, mm-hmm. kill you, really. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, just the, uh, my best or my worst best days just it's always it's always just like all right if i have no one to talk to i mean i always have at least for me i always have someone to talk to and hopefully you have somebody in your life that you can call that you can text snapchat whatever however you need to reach out to someone that you have somebody that you can just be a little bit transparent with and say hey i'm not okay yeah and that you have somebody who won't you know you know like okay you know that at least be able to give you that so if you're having just a tough day and and the cravings are just over kicking your butt and just overwhelming just hopefully have somebody to call and if you don't have somebody to call um there's a a national line uh it's called 988 you can uh just to speak to someone um because you know not everyone has an opportunity Mm -hmm. and has somebody in their life that they can speak to um and we've shared you know sometimes it is a stranger obviously you might not know the other person on the other line but dial 988 um i yeah i can't stress that enough like the 988 is just a brand new number that's specifically it's like 911 but it's basically those kind of emergency mental situations and so at the very least if you're at that point contemplating unsure what you're going to do whatever your next steps might be just dial 988 uh, speak to someone and they can kind of help guide you and get your resources in your area and that's a national line so if you're listening locally or if you're online and listening you know anywhere else in the world just uh, anywhere else in the united states uh, just please use that number because um, it's we want you to live yeah for real we really we really want you to live and 
And sometimes it can seem so overwhelming and that can just dialing three numbers and talk or, you know, call can feel like the hardest thing you have to do. But I promise just making that one, two steps, 988, pushing talk or call um, by far can really save your life and really help you get to that place where where you can be stable and where you can can find the things that everything else will will handle itself as you shared. So, yeah. So. Yeah. And there's a lot. There's just so many good people out there like safety wise. Don't mm-hmm. medically detox yourself. Yes. You know, all of these yep. things. Um, if you're not in a safe situation, there's there's uh, rape and abuse. There's just mm-hmm. like a lot of different things yep. out there to help you. But for the most part, I have in my 20 years of doing this. We lose most people in recovery at that hump between knowing they should go to a meeting and getting to the meeting. It's that physical movement to the meeting Mm -hmm. that most people don't come back from. And that's really frightening. And it's, um, it's hard to watch sometimes because it's so, it's like on this side, it's like, it's so easy and we're so fun Mm -hmm. and we make inappropriate (laughs) jokes and we're, you know what I mean? But and sometimes it's easier to talk to a total stranger mm-hmm. or at least somebody in the same sinking ship. I uh, I know that there's a lot of people in your life, too, that say, I love you. I want the best for you. And, you know, they did that for years. And then I go to a meeting where there's some other boob who's like, yeah, I burned it down, too, and blah, blah, blah. And suddenly I'm like, I want to change my life. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So <clears throat> just you just don't know where the answer is going to come from. But it will come if you show up. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for tuning in to F5 Recovery Radio. This is your host, Juan Pretty Ricky, my co-host, Kirsten Huvenin, and Adam Martin is out today. Please tune in next week. We're going to be talking about anger management. Uh, This is 95.9 KRFF LP FM.